Why don't we go ahead and pray to get us started? Amen? Father, we, uh, we come before You this morning. We come in, in really desiring to be in Your presence, Dad. Uh, knowing that You are constantly with us, but I, you know, ultimately we need to bring our hearts and minds before You. Uh, we come to worship You and, and to hear Your Word. We, we pray that we can put our hearts uh, before You this morning, before Your Scriptures, that, that they will be ready to uh, be molded and shaped into being more like You, Jesus. Uh, God, You are so good. You are full of perfect, radiant, um, even to say perfect is to limit You, God, but to, You are just so infinitely good, Father. We pray that we can connect with that this morning. We can connect with who you are. I pray that truly, as always, I can be an instrument of your will as uh, we just strive to encourage uh, and and call each other higher to be more like you, Jesus. We give thanks and praise in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, the the title of this morning's uh, lesson is, What is Love? What is Love? Exactly, exactly. Uh, Kristen did tell me, don't make one of the points, baby, don't hurt me. So it's not. Um, but, uh, you know, that idea could come into, into play in there somewhere. But, um, yeah, what is love? <clears throat> you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. If you have a Bible, turn over to 1 Corinthians 13. That's where we're going to be. But, you know, the... Uh, Love is something that we would all agree that is is good. It, it feels good. Um, it's it's life changing. You know, they make all the songs about it. We we there's there are so many songs written about love, right? It's inspired heroic epics. You know, in stories, uh, love has fueled some of the greatest heroes of all time. Uh, you know, and we know that it says that the, the scriptures tell us that God Himself, God is love, right? And and so when we think about, you know, as we read through some of these scriptures today, what I, I we're going to look through a list of, and when we talk about love is this and love is that, sometimes you can impose on that. God is this, and God is that, which is an incredible thing to think about. But I want to talk a little bit about the context of this letter before we get started. So, 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians to the church in Corinth, right? And this church is, you know, it's, it's on this, uh, let's say, it's, it's on a, a, a highway, so to speak. There's a lot of traffic that comes through in Corinth. So there's a lot of... Um, different cultures and religions and philosophies and all sorts of things that come through Corinth. And these different ways of thinking have influenced the, all of the culture, much like our culture is influenced by, you know, the idea that the world is, is, a, is a big place, but it's not as big as it used to be. You know what I mean? Because of the internet, you can have connections and relationships and, and you can know things about different cultures that you would otherwise never come in contact with, right? And, and that influences the way we think and the way we speak and, and all sorts of things. But here in this culture, you've got this budding Christianity, these, these new churches coming out. 
And they're in this society with all of these different views coming at them. And they're so early on, you know, they're knowing about Jesus and learning about Jesus. And they're going, oh, wow, I feel like this way works. And then they hear some other teacher talk about Jesus. And they're like, oh, this really embodies Jesus' teaching. So this really embodies Jesus' teaching. I like how so-and-so preaches or so-and-so preaches. And what begins to happen in the different cultures and these different leaders and different people, it starts to create division in the church, right? And then one of the things that also exists in the church is this. So you have the concept of roles. But before we read this, Paul begins to introduce this idea of gifts. You know, and he's talking about spiritual gifts or miraculous gifts to some extent. And um, this idea of gifts, one being greater than another. And even these things, which God has given to be blessings can become a point of division. Right? You guys get what I'm saying? Okay? So there's there's all of these influences kind of coming at the church, trying to draw them apart. Right? And so when we look at this, we've got to understand this context that Paul is saying, what I desire and what God desires is unity. Right? He desires you to, to come together, not be torn apart. Even by good things that God has given. He's like, if you do these with the wrong heart, they will tear you apart rather than bring you together. Does that make sense? All right. And so remember this as we start. God's greatest desire is a righteous, which means right, relationship with humanity, which is you or which is all of us, right? God desires a righteous relationship with humanity, and he desires that humanity have righteous relationships with one another. Okay? This is, in fact, God's most, his greatest commandment. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And then he says, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And so the greatest commandment of God is love. And so we're going to pick up here in 1 Corinthians 13 in what Paul calls the most excellent way. Right? I'm going to actually pick up the the last sentence in verse 12. But Paul writes this. He says, And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. He says, love is patient Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's an incredible thing if you you go through this. And and we're going to talk about this more in a little bit, but... Paul is, is 
proclaiming right off the bat. He goes, you know what this is? It's the most excellent way to live. The most excellent way to live. And, and I, I look at this and I go, he's saying, consider what this is like. Love mends instead of rends, right? Where, where when you lack love, you tend to rend or destroy or tear relationships down. Where love, it builds, it maintains, it, it will grow relationships, right? It brings things together. And, and a lack of love will tend to tear things apart, even things that could be considered good. Right, And so he's saying, he goes through this list of some of these gifts. And, and he's saying, even if I could speak in the language of angels, right? If I could speak in, in different languages, he goes, you know what I would be? He said, I thought of something. I didn't have a gong or a cymbal, but I have this. He's like, he's like, I'm something that can resonate loudly. You know, it's like, bang, 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 bang. And get your attention... And it'll last a while, but it just fades away. Right? And it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't last because it lacks love. You know, we can... And he goes on and he says, you know, I could speak prophecy. I could have all wisdom. I could have these things. But, and, and I could give them to you. I could tell them to you. But all of us know, how does the saying go? It says, uh, they don't care how much you know until what? They know how much you care, right? You can know all of these things, but if, if you don't love, people aren't going to get it, right? You know, when, you, uh, when I think of, when I think of uh, different people you know, you get some of those people on the streets like preaching stuff and, and, and out there like holding their signs and saying different things. You know, there's signs that say, repent or perish. And I think it's true. We got to repent or we'll perish. You know, that, that's true. But if people don't know love, if they don't know the love of Jesus, then the idea of why they should repent, it, it's falling on deaf ears. They are a clanging cymbal, a resounding gong. It's, it's attention-grabbing. They, they'll get some people to look, and then, I mean, even us, what do we do? That guy's crazy, you know? But if, if we can really help people understand the love of God, then when we say things that are powerful and true, then they resonate in a way that lasts. And doesn't fade away, right? And and I think for us, when we all of these gifts, he's he's making this illustration because these people are going, well, I want this gift and I want that gift and this gift is greater and that gift is greater and they're saying, well, I do this in the church and you do that in the church and this role is better and that role is better and he's saying, guys, you're you're missing the point here. It's meant to bring you together. Not tear you apart. And you're lacking the love. Right? And you can think of the different roles in the church. How, how do we do, whether it be in the church or in your daily life, right? Of, of letting good things divide. Maybe you can think of a few examples for yourself. But you know, I look at this and I say, 
Paul's going, the greatest gift, the greatest thing you can do is love people. That's going to unify where other things will destroy. You know, he brings in this, this concept. He goes, I could be a martyr. I could, I could give my body to the flames. And I think, he's, I think this is a very specifically uh, Christian thing. I think it can apply to, to other scenarios. But when he says, I could be a martyr for God, but have no love. And he says, you gain nothing. A person gains nothing if they do it without love. You know, and I was thinking through, I'm like, how, do I, how does that apply to me? What is that, how does that apply to us? What do we call it when somebody just starts doing all of the right things because they're the right things, but have no heart behind it? Legalistic. We call it legalism. Because it comes about following the law rather than it being what's truly right by other people. Does that make sense? And so, I think for all of us, we can... We are a church that believes the Bible is the Word of God, right? We believe that this is the perfect... God has given us the perfect way to live. If we would obey this, when we obey this, we literally bring heaven on earth. Right? I'm hoping I'm going to preach a sermon about that really soon. But this, this idea, we literally can bring heaven on earth when we live according to God's Word. But if we remove love from the equation, then we're challenging people to live just by a lifestyle of legalism. Right? And, and that's meaningless. That is the resounding gong. And it doesn't last And so why should we live this life of love? Why live it? You know, why strive for love in all of our relationships? Because if we live by the the example of the life of Jesus, and by by these scriptures, we will find our lives to be richly blessed. But I'd also say, why live like this? Because God has made us in a way. Do you know that if you put somebody uh, that... So, we do this a lot in our country. We have... Um, we put people in isolation in prison. Uh, and when you, when you put someone in, in solitary confinement, that's a, that's a very special type of punishment. Because you will drive the person insane by lack of human contact. Like, someone will lose their mind if given enough time to be by themselves and have no human contact. Because God has designed us in a way to be relational beings. And so, when you think about what sin does, what's it do? It isolates, right? Because it destroys relationships, either between us or between other people, or between us and God. Right? And so... But God has designed us in a way to, to be people of relationships. Calling us to say, hey guys, let's, let's be... Not hey guys. He's saying, if you live in my way, it will go well with you. Right? You know, um, who would not desire to have these qualities in every friendship? Do you know what I'm saying? When you think about this, when you think about love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, 
It does not boast. It is not proud. Right? It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Just, just those. If you stop right there. Right? If, if you could have the relationships where it feels like, man, this person treats me this way. They never treat me. They're never rude. Right? I never feel like they're self-seeking, that they're arrogant. I feel like they're patient with me. How would you feel in a, in, in a friendship like that? That person would be your best friend. It's, our best friendships often are the people who treat us that way, right? Because you're safe there. Your walls come down. You're not worried about getting, you know, jabbed in the heart. And now love is messy, so sometimes that does happen, right? Um, but we think about this idea of the security we could have in these relationships. You know, and, I, and he's not in here, but, I, you know, Kyle and Emmy, they, uh, I was really encouraged by them. I, I was driving Emmy home uh, after she had watched James for us the other night, and she was telling me, I'm like, how are you and Kyle doing? And it was encouraging because she said, I didn't know that this was what a relationship was supposed to be like. I didn't know it could be this good. Right? And she's encouraged by Kyle because he's protecting her heart. He's creating a safe environment. You know, I've talked to him about the relationship. He strives hard to remove being rude or arrogant or boastful. He's he's trying to make it a relationship of purity. Uh, He is very, very kind. I mean, if you hang out with Kyle, all of us know, he's so kind. it's, It's... and, and he's very, he's just, he's a gentle soul in a lot of ways. And he feels things very passionately and very strongly. But what that's doing is it's, he is making Amy's world a better place, right? And it doesn't have to just exist in, you know, uh, romantic relationships. When, when I think about this and I went through it, one of the people that, that I couldn't help thinking like, this is a friendship that I have or how this person makes me feel uh, is actually Ralph. Like, and, and I texted him this, so he knows. But with, with the exception of when we're probably doing something competitive, because we're both exceptionally competitive, uh, we're, I, I don't think we're ever going to play Settlers of Catan again together. But, um, you know, when in our friendship, right, in our, uh, our connection... Ralph is my father-in-law, if you, you don't know him. So, um, but he, I, I never feel like he envies me. I've never felt like he is, I mean, I, I don't feel like he's been proud. I don't ever feel like he's been self-seeking. I mean, uh, he is one of the most loving, easygoing, enjoyable people to be around. Because I think he exudes and, and is, he's an ex- exceptional example of love, right? And when I think about and I think of these things, I go, he makes my life better. I know he makes Sue's life better. Uh, you know, Kristen loves her dad. I remember crying, literally crying at different points. Kristen would tell me about her childhood and her parents, and I'm like, your life is a fairy tale. This doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, but it doesn't just have to be in romantic relationships. Right? The way of love. Paul's point is, guys, this is the most excellent way in every friendship, in every connection. 
And what he's doing is he's calling us. He goes, forget about these things. Try to apply these to every relationship in your life. I believe that's the ultimate call of this. And so when you think about it, can you put yourself in this scripture? You know, could you say, right, Zach is patient, or Peter is kind, or Liz does not envy, and Scott does not boast, right? Rob is not proud. Paul is not rude. All of these things, and go, can you put yourself in that scenario? And, and when we do, we go, you know what, I do. Some of us are great at these things, right? And some of us have an area where we can grow in them. You know what I'm saying? You ever feel like, all right, all right, I've got a couple of those, but then I get to the rude one, and occasionally I can just be rude. You know what I'm saying? Where God's going, you want to live the most excellent way? See, when, you, when you're rude, you're not loving. When you're not loving, you're not like God. And so, he's saying, be like me. Because God is love, and God is patient, and God is kind. He does not envy, he does not boast, he is not proud. Does that make sense? And, and we can see these things. And so, I, really, the question is, is, what would it look like in your life? What would change? What would be different? How would your... Your everything, I mean everything, it, whether it be your professors, whether it be your boss, your co-workers, your spouse, uh, your estranged loved ones, right? Because what would it look like? It would look like we would forgive people. You know what I'm saying? We would mend relationships that have been destroyed. Right? When you, you would meet new people... People would just want to hang out with you because you create a piece of heaven on earth whenever people are around you. Doesn't that sound nice? It sounds pretty great to me. But that's what would happen when we live like this. I want to be that for people. And sometimes I'm not. I even had a brother, I made a comment just off the cuff to one of the guys uh, recently, and he brought it up to me, and I just apologized. I said, "You know what? I said that, and that was wrong. the 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 way I said that, that was wrong. And it wasn't that what I said didn't have some merit; it was how I said it. See, it, you can you can tell somebody the truth, but if you lack love, you're still wrong, right? And I lacked love when I made a comment to this person. And so I had to go back and apologize. Because I love that person, I sincerely apologized. I really meant it. But it's hard to apologize. In fact, I don't think you could apologize and really mean it if you don't love somebody. You'll never reconcile a relationship if you don't love someone. And so when we think about it, because God doesn't desire us to have these destroyed relationships... We've got to figure out how to mend them, right? And, and, and make them whole again. And, and, and when we look at it, Paul writes, he says, as far as it is up to you, live at peace with everyone. Some people you'll never, you know, 
You won't be able to win them over because they just don't want to. But as far as it is up to you, you live in the most excellent way. Does that make sense? We're called to do it because we are the disciples of Jesus. We're We're the light of the world. Does that make sense for us? And so, how do we do this? How do we do this? I I was thinking about it. uh, Maybe some of you have seen the book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Anybody ever heard of that book? Uh, If I remember right, it's it's in that one. It's Act Like a Dog. That was, that's one of the titles of one of its points. It's Act Like a Dog. I was like, what? Now, how many people like dogs? Like, not everybody likes dogs. Um, but you know, it's hard to not like a dog sometimes. Because a lot of dogs, they're just so happy to see you. It's like, they're not, like, dogs are just, they're like, hi friend, hi, you know. Um, have you ever seen, uh, what is it, Up? You've got Doug, Doug the dog. It's like, he's just so happy to see anybody. Hi, hi, oh, hey, friend, hey. You know, you, you know what dogs, the kind of dogs I'm talking about, you've seen those. Um, they're just so happy to see anybody. Because it seems like dogs can just love unconditionally. Uh, you know, some of us, so some of us know Jesse's dog, Grace. It's, it seems like Grace just loves Jesse unconditionally. Uh, and whether Jesse's chasing her around with some toy that Grace hates and, and puts the toy away, and then Grace just wants to be right next to Jesse because it just seems like Jesse can do no wrong. She just loves Jesse. You're like, okay, you're patient and mostly kind, I guess. Jesse might have stories for you. But, uh, when you think about it, being loyal and loving and happy and excited to see people, uh, but let's be real, those things aren't always easy to do, right? We, we like the idea of being patient and kind and gentle and especially patient. Um, that's certainly one for me. I think if I go through the list, there's patience is, is an area where I feel like that's my greatest area of growth probably. Um, But it's not easy. And so how do we do it? How do you, how do, you do it? And, and this is what I believe is the answer. I truly believe this is the answer. You've got to look at Jesus. You've got, to, you've got to go to Jesus and you've got to go to the cross. Jesus is the embodiment of love. The, the greatest embodiment of love you will ever find. Because as Scott read this morning, he read the scripture in, in Romans... When we were still enemies, when we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. We were enemies of God and He, he still loved us. You think of your worst sin, the, the worst thing you've ever done, the most rude or arrogant thing you've ever done. See, that was sin and maybe it was against someone else, but it was also against God. And in that moment, Jesus, as much as you, you are a slap in the face to Christ, you spit in His face, you're, you're kicking Him when He's down, maybe. Jesus died for that sin. Jesus loved you and loves you in those moments. Right? 
Can, I mean, the idea of love your enemies, what the Bible calls us to do, love our enemies. Jesus loved us when we were his enemy. How do we do with the rude or arrogant or unkind or selfish people that we interact with? Do we love when they don't love? The only way we're going to really do that is by looking to Jesus. Because we make it not about us. And, and we've, got to, we've got to try to consider that this is bigger than me. God desires this person to get to heaven. I want to be Jesus for them. And the only way I'm going to be Jesus for that person is by really striving to connect and understand who Jesus is. And connect with the cross. Knowing that Jesus died for me. You know, he's done all of this for us and he's still doing it. That's what's amazing. In the moments when we don't want to be loving, God's loving us. And that's awesome. I love it. That's saying, that's like pizza love. It's more than that. But, uh, you know, people go, oh, I love pizza. And you're like, but do you really love pizza? And you're like, no. I really like pizza. But, amen. So, I think about this thought. And the question I really ask is, what does all of this result in? What will it result in for you? In our day-to-day, deeper quality friendships and relationships. Love will mend, as I said, instead of rend. We're going to have greater ones. It's going to build rather than destroy. Right? And and as I was writing this out, I thought, what does love do? It builds things. The only thing love doesn't build is walls between relationships. Right? Well, uh, love tears the walls between people down. Where we find a place where we're together. It brings people in and creates a safe place. And so when you think about it in your day-to-day, what's it do? It creates better friendships. For your, for your spouse, it creates security in a marriage, right? For a friend, it creates trust and loyalty to know that you're going to stick with them. For, for Christians to non-Christians, you become Jesus to them in their day-to-day life. You know, it will radically reduce conflict. Now, it doesn't mean it will remove all conflict because there's always going to be other people in the equation, right? But I will say this. What will it do to our church? One of the reasons I left the church that I grew up in was because of backbiting, conflict, hypocrisy, a lack of love. Uh, You know, one woman literally going to dance on another woman's grave. Um, I mean, that level of, like... I'm like, what is wrong? What? Uh, excuse me? Um, okay. And, and there were other reasons, biblical uh, reasons that I had, but what will it look like for our church when we truly exemplify love when people walk in? They walk in the doors to our fellowship and it's a love. It's a refuge from the world. People aren't going to be attacked They're not going to come in, feel destroyed or torn down. They're going to feel built up. And 
I want us to be sure that our love is not discriminatory. And what do I mean by that? Um, I think this is a quick aside, and I feel like it needs to be said. We've had a few times where people have come into our congregation, um, and whether they've been, a few have been homeless, some have been disabled. We've had uh, different people come in and feel like they've, they've been asked, they've been found randomly on the street and go, why didn't, what, I haven't seen you again, what happened? And they, on, on multiple occasions this has happened, and they said, it didn't feel right because nobody talked to me. Nobody talked to me. And, and they, they felt unloved. They didn't feel welcomed in and warm. It felt like they were a bit different and that they didn't receive love the same way. Um, that wasn't Jesus. And I don't think that's us. Okay, let me just say that. I don't, I don't believe that is our hearts in the sense of, I, I know this church is very loving. But I think we need to raise our awareness and go, when we see people that we have not seen before, we want to make sure that we are a church that loves people. That they walk in to our services, they walk into a piece of heaven. Does that make sense? And I know we can do that, church. But let's make sure that no one ever leaves our fellowship again. I don't care if, if they are different, if they're homeless, if they're disabled, if they're anything. They, they make you uncomfortable. I'm sure Jesus was uncomfortable when he touched the leper. Well, I don't think Jesus was uncomfortable when he touched the leper. But that's because he had a love for people that we just don't understand. And that made other people uncomfortable. The way Jesus loved made other people uncomfortable. But he was not discriminatory in the way he loved. And I want to make sure that we aren't either. You with me on that? Can we do that together? Amen. But our church will be a piece of heaven when you walk in. Because we will be the people who love. And when we see our city as little by little, bit by bit, we see more people embrace the lifestyle of Jesus, we create pockets of heaven around us wherever we go. We bring it with us. Because we bring the light and love of Jesus. Church, let's be the people of God. Because what we know is it will always protect, always trust. Love will persevere. If you're having trouble in the church and in your relationships, if anything like that, let's resolve that. If you've got them in your life, I encourage you, mend that. And if you're having trouble, look to Jesus. Love is truly the most excellent way. It restores and builds and maintains relationships. God has designed us with the need for loving relationships. And a life lived with love is life to the full. It's for this reason that we pursue love in our lives. Right? When we see a a life of love, we'll see it embodied in Jesus and in the cross. Go to the scriptures. Find Christ. Find Him in prayer. Find Him in your word. And if you don't know how to do that, I want to invite you, if you're, you're you know, visiting with us, study the Bible with us. We've got a lot of us who aren't even here this morning, but I'd say we are a church that we believe this is God's word. If you want to grow in it, study the Bible. You'll help us grow in our walk with God just as much, I'm sure, as we will help you. 
But there will be times where it will be messy. There will be times where it will be difficult. But what we must know when we do this is that we are not only obeying God, but we are enriching the lives of the people around us. Let's bring heaven on earth. Let's change our city. Let's change our church. Let's change ourselves to be more like Jesus and his kingdom. Amen. Amen.